when it comes to acute anxious situations, our brains like hone in on those negative potential outcomes because they're, they see that like in a way it represents like death or pain or those kinds of things. And it wants to drive that out. And so what happens is we often get stuck on those ideas and then we ruminate or we, you know, cycle on top of those, have negative thoughts about those outcomes and we get distracted. And we, we like, sometimes I literally forget, like I said, like I, if I have an interview coming up or a date or something, I forget that something good could actually happen. And so this, this step where I say, evaluate the potential outcomes and reconnect to the one you want is to, again, slow yourself down, make a list of like, hey, you know, okay, maybe I, maybe I could freak out in the interview, but I could also... I could also get the job, you know, I could get a great salary, that sort of thing, reminding yourself of that outcome because so often the anxiety consumes us and we just, we just are blinded to that. What's up everybody. Welcome back or welcome to the Eat Green, Make Green podcast. As always, I am Pat McCauley. This week's episode, I sit down with an old friend of mine by the name of Brian Sacchetta. Um, I often joke with Brian that his claim to fame was that he was the designer for the uh, dating app Hint. Um, and those that know me and my background know I'm obviously joking. That's not his claim to fame. Um, but Hint was my uh, first venture. It was a, it was a dating app. Um, and Brian was actually one of the first people I connected with to, um, do the graphic design work, um, and the, the UI and all that stuff for the app. And that was back in 2013. Um, and since I've just kind of kept in touch with Brian and we've sort of, you know, followed somewhat similar paths, um, as entrepreneurs and in, in trying different things and failing at things and and whatnot, and then also have followed similar health journeys. And um, Brian is uh, very close to vegan now. Um, and yeah, we, we're just both always trying new things and um, trying to improve ourselves. And something that I didn't know over the past uh, year or two when Brian um, you know, told me he was starting to write, uh, his book that is now out, um, is that he has struggled with anxiety since he was, you know, a teenager. And obviously I think it's something that so many of us can relate to. And a lot of us are scared to talk about it. Um, and I think, you know, I don't know the numbers. I'm pretty sure he has it in the book, but the amount of people that are medicated, uh, for things like anxiety or, or, you know, mental health and things like that. Um, it's just a ridiculous, ridiculous number. Um, and his message is, is really cool in that, you know, you, you can throw a, a drug at your anxiety or your, your mental health, but it's not solving the problem. It's, it might be helping battle the symptoms, but it's not, solving the underlying cause of your anxiety. Um, and that's something that's got to be to solve it. It's got to be worked out internally. And he has over the years developed a number of sort of practical tactics that can be applied to anyone, um, when they begin to, um, experience anxiety or, or certain situations, 
um, that anxiety is like to, likely to come up. So um, I love how he talks about it and how confident he is, you know, talking about previous, you know, failures or sort of embarrassing experiences uh, that he's had with it uh, throughout his life. And um, I know this book um, and kind of what we talk about on this podcast can really um, help a lot of people. And I know a lot of um, people in my life uh, have similar, um, you know, struggles in certain situations um, and react in similar ways to um, how Brian has in, in a number of um, situations previously in his life. So uh, his book is called Get Out of Your Head, A Toolkit uh, for Living with and Overcoming Anxiety. I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, it's basically his experience, the latest research on anxiety, um, and just practical steps to overcome it um, and apply in your daily life. Um, like I said, that don't involve a trip to uh, the doctor to get a prescription. Uh, this is a great conversation. Um, it's just, I really feel like this is, this is a topic that needs to be talked about more. And Brian's book and his experience, I know, just can really um, go a long way with a lot of people. So I'm excited for this one. Without further ado, my good friend, the incredible Brian Sachetta. Brian Sachetta in the house. So before we, before we dive in, I got to give the original background to how we yeah, how definitely. we first connected because yep. you very much played a, a role in my whole entrepreneurial uh, yeah. uh, journey. But yeah, so 2013? Sounds right. Sounds somewhere in the right ballpark. 2012, yeah, right maybe at, even late 2012. It was. I think it was uh, the year after I graduated yeah. college because I, I was at that startup and yep. then I you know, got fired there at, in April of 2013. So yep. started freelancing after that. So it was definitely, yeah. definitely in spring, summer of 2013. Yeah. Yeah. So Brian actually did the first design for Hint, my app, which was my first uh, venture. Yep. And uh, yeah, which is, I, which at is the in time, your book too, right? Yeah. Yep. Which is in my book. Yeah. And um, yeah, at the time I had no idea what I was doing, you know, <laughs> and, and to some extent you too, I'm sure. Right. And we yeah. were just like both figuring it out. You yeah. Know? We were having fun with it. It was, a, <laughs> yeah. it was a cool project. I enjoyed it. It so. was an awesome project. Yeah. And it's still like, I still have the original designs and yep. it's cool to like every now and then take a look back and definitely, um, yeah. So that's originally how we connected back in 2013. Yep. And then since have just kept in touch you know yeah and I, I, I feel like one day like we had kept in touch about entrepreneurial and app stuff in yeah, general right but I think kind of I feel like we didn't chat for a little while and then you had started posting a bunch of stuff about veganism and I remember like hitting you up and being like I we never talked about that I didn't know that yeah and uh, I you know I had gotten into it a lot right around the same time yeah and I was like I gotta hit him up because like I don't have that many friends that are vegan and I it's you know it's important to me so yeah because because like, I, I I remember like, I was doing some app stuff, too. Like, I had, like, spun out, like, a little, like, app yep. development thing I was doing. And you would, like, toss me some projects here and there that if you heard of projects. but Yeah, um, we did a few. But then you also had, like, some sort of 
um, health thing going on. You were trying to get like a yes. health yeah, revolution was, or whatever you uh, called self, it. Self revolution. Self yeah. revolution. Yeah, that, and, was, uh, that was a cool project. It's just, yeah. it's, it's tough. I, I didn't really have a specific, I didn't really have like a business plan or anything. I was kind of just posting videos and yeah. um, smoothie videos, stuff like that, how to make uh, different things that I ate or different workouts. And I, I was, I was not very targeted, I guess, you know, yeah. but it was, it was still cool. And we kind of, you know, chatted about that too. Yeah. And I think it's cool how like we have both over, you know, since we met have both kind of tried a bunch of different things. Yeah. For some sure. have worked, some haven't, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's just important for like anybody to hear that, you know, wants to maybe write a book or, yep. you know, start a business or something that, you know, chances are the first one is not going to be the right one and it's yeah. not going to work. And, you know, I talk a lot on this podcast about entrepreneurship, yep. but I rarely talk about all the things I failed at. <laughs> you know? yeah. So people, and then, not everybody has heard that side of it. So, yep. and obviously I don't focus on it because I focus on the W's, right? Yep. And, um, and I, I think for the most part, a lot of us do. Yeah. And it, it's tough because like we, we don't want to talk about them, but we do want to talk about them at the same time. And, and when we don't, people are like, oh man, like this guy's got it all together when, yeah. you know, we're all just kind of flying by the seat of our pants. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And I always say like, nobody's got to figure it out regardless of <laughs> I, like, if I you're, totally if you're 40 that. years old and you've sold three companies yep. and nobody's got their shit figured out. They're still like figuring it out as they go, you know? And, and that's like, that's a lot of the fun part, you know? I mean, yeah. there's struggles in there, but when you look back, I mean, I was thinking about this the other days, you look back and you're like, yeah, I struggled, but man, that was, that was crazy. You know, that was a ton of fun. So totally, totally. Yeah. So, um, do you want to just for, uh, listeners sort of give like a little sort of life, uh, background, like, sure. You know, growing up where you grew up and sort of life growing up maybe a little bit and uh, we can sort of go from there. Definitely. Yeah. So I'll, I'll kind of focus on like more recent stuff, but I grew up in Linfield, Mass, which is pretty close to here. I went to Linfield High and then went to Boston College, graduated in 2012, really got into like technology and entrepreneurship. So worked at a couple startups and then freelanced a lot. So, you know, like you said, trying different things and putting your hand in different pots. I was doing design work. I was doing development work building different apps and websites and that you know that was obviously how we got connected and I've kind of gone in and out of that like that world like for the last six and a half years since I graduated building different projects either for myself or for clients and then also kind of using the flexibility of working for myself or employing myself not that I was self-employed the whole time but using the freedom or flexibility to work on other projects whether it yeah. be you know that health brand that I worked on or the book that I just published so like um, that, that sort of stuff. But yeah, I mean, recently I was, uh, I was in a sales job at a software development company for the last couple of years. I left that in April, uh, to focus on writing my book full time and then also still write software, uh, to keep the bank account afloat. But yeah, that's, that's been a lot of my, a lot of my, I guess, professional experience and, yeah. you know, just out, outside of that been focusing on, uh, kind of, I don't know, just like a health journey, you know, like been learning more over the years about veganism and uh, just eating the right way and thinking the right way. And, um, you know, that was one of the ways that we stayed connected. So that was that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So can you touch on a little bit about sort of like your health journey in terms of like, yeah, obviously you grew sure. up around here, you were probably eating what everybody ate, you know, up yeah. until a certain point in your life. And maybe 
what what point did you start thinking about it yep. and how has it kind of evolved to where you're at yeah, today in definitely. terms of health? Um, might be a little long-winded, but... Yeah, no, we got time. All right. So <laughs> I grew up, my family did not eat red meat or pork. Okay. So we were basically like a chicken household and it was like turkey burgers and chicken sandwiches and... Fish? Uh, we ate fish too, yep. yep. So basically just like white meats and stuff like that. And, and was that, a, sorry to catch you off, but was that like a your parents felt that was like best health wise so how that kind of evolved was like my mom always kind of ate some red meat like she grew up with it my dad didn't grow up with it and the reason why was my grandfather actually had ulcerative colitis when he was in his 30s gotcha and the doctors were like look dude you're, you're dead like just go home and like you know tell your family like you know you're you're heading out of the world so yeah. he went home and just went on like a, a month-long water diet and then a month-long raw food diet and he actually like cur- cured his yeah, um, cool. colitis which doctors had like the do- he went back and saw doctors and they were like dude like we've never seen this before like we we almost can't even like hear this story because that's not like we can't subscribe like we can't prescribe this to anybody else you know yeah. that sort of thing but anyway yeah, nobody's gonna go home and go on a you know yeah. on a water fast right right and i'm not i'm not saying <laughs> that i recommend that but it was just remarkable that you know one way or another that worked out and so even after he came off that diet, he, he did raw, uh, a raw food diet for, I think, almost a year. And then even after that, he just, you know, never really ate red meat. He got back into chicken and fish a little bit. But that was how my dad kind of came up on that stuff. Oops, sorry about that. That's all right. And so, like, in my household, like, when I was growing up as a kid, we, like I said, we never ate red meat and pork and stuff like that. And so, I, like, I always felt like I was health conscious. But, you know, a lot of cheese, a lot of chicken, a lot of fish. And even, like, processed foods and a lot of snacks and just things that, like, I don't know, they kind of have that, like, healthy, they're labeled as healthy, but if you think about it and, you know, you end up eating a lot of, like, processed foods and stuff that doesn't have a ton of vitamins and minerals and fiber and stuff like that. So I felt like I was healthy, but, like, you know, I I think, um, I'm kind of jumping around a bit, but, like, there was a certain point, it was around 2012, 2013, that I was like, I think I'm healthy. Like I eat all these things, but I, I still get like, you know, probably 10 more pounds on me than I'd like to have. Mm. Um, so I'll, I'll get back to that in a minute, but there was, so I, you know, you go to college, I th- I'm sure you experienced this. It's like, everybody gets into bodybuilding cause you have so much time in college. It's like, yeah. let's hit the gym. And you're so image obsessed. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's obscene. Like, um, we, I mean, we used to go to gym for like 90 minutes a day, you yeah. know, it was like creatine and oh, protein yeah. and eating all these things. And so my friends were like, Hey, we really think that like, if you start eating red meat, like you'd have more protein, even if it's lean, like you could put on more muscle. So I, I started eating a little bit of red meat and my body like had never really had it. So I remember it was, I was a junior in college. It was 2010, the fall. And I, I went home, I made a steak, I ate it. And then I like that night, I started feeling like really weird, just like spacey almost. And I went to bed that night and I was like this brutal stomach ache, but I was just like, I, I'm not sure. I don't know what it is. Yeah. And I woke up the next day and I was like, I was in so much pain. I couldn't go to the bathroom. I would like, so basically what happened was my stomach was rejecting, rejecting all of it. Yeah. So I, I forget exactly what it's called, but I had a, like an acute form of colitis. I ended up going to the hospital for it and they were like, asking me different questions about my diet. And they were like, you know, eventually we talked about the fact that I never ate red meat and I had that day. And she was like, oh yeah, your body, like if you haven't eaten it in years, your body probably doesn't have the enzymes required to break it down. Yeah. So basically I inflamed my intestines by eating that 
And after that, like, that was one of the most painful experiences physically that I've ever been through. And it was just like, okay, I'm, I didn't even enjoy the steak, let alone the pain after it. You were just forcing it down for that protein, right? Yeah, exactly. It was like parentheses protein. Yeah. Yep. So after that, it was just like, okay, totally done. So I, you know, went back to just fish, chicken, that sort of thing. But it was 2012, kind of like I was alluding to. Um, me, my brother, my mom, and my sister-in-law. I don't think they were married. They weren't married at the time. My brother and my sister-in-law, but they were. Uh, they had been dating for a while. We all went to a Tony Robbins event mm-hmm. in Florida. And I mean, it's a great event. Like we went to uh, Unleash the Power Within is what it's called. Yep. It's kind of like the first one. It talks about a lot of different stuff. And on the fourth day, which is the last day of the conference, he talks about diet. And I remember that that's a Sunday. And on Saturday night, we're at Johnny Rockets getting chicken sandwiches. And we're like, oh, I wonder what he's going to say, like what he's going to tell us we should eat or shouldn't eat to, you know, really empower ourselves or like have the energy required to go out and like make an impact in the world. Right. Yeah. And I don't know, like, we just had no idea. And so I'm eating this chicken sandwich, and I'm like, I'm thinking that he's going to say, you know, going to Johnny Rockets is okay. Like, you can do that. Like, just don't eat beef or whatever. And so, you know, that next day he, you know, everybody has their own um, shtick of, like, you know, what you should eat, what you shouldn't eat, that sort of stuff. But he, you know, he does a lot of research, works with a lot of different people, and, and, and seem to suggest that, like, even chicken, like, you know, there's arsenic in chicken sometimes and things like that. And, you know, they talk about the acid alkaline diet and, mm. you know, the foods that make an acidic or a, an alkaline state in your body and seem to suggest that eating meat, you know, contributes to an, an acidic internal state. And listen to all this information, he's talking about, raw food diets and vegetables and eating 80% water content foods and stuff like that. Mm. And I don't know, you're just like in this environment where you're having so much fun. Like it's, it's like those, those, those events are like, like almost like rock shows. Like there's tons of loud music. It's one of the only places in the world that you're allowed to like stand up and scream at the top of your lungs. And like, (laughs) like everybody's having so much fun. It's crazy, you know, like, and cause even when you come back to your house after one of those events, you're like, I got I got somebody on the other wall, like on the other side of the wall from me. I can't I can't like scream and yeah. like blast music, you know. Um, yeah, I've seen it, I've seen like I am not your guru on yep, Netflix. Yep. Yeah. So that was one at one and, of his events, yeah. different one. And it's it's they powerful look, stuff. They look cool. Yeah. yeah. So it's a lot of fun. And in that moment, I was just kind of like, you know what? He says like, before you leave here, make a commitment to yourself, do something, right? And I was like, all right, screw it. I'm just gonna go basically vegan. Yeah. You know, and that, you know, that was kind of some of the stuff that he talked about was moving in that direction. He doesn't necessarily say you have to do that or you have to give up all of these things, but he definitely advocates eating more whole and plant-based foods. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to do this. And I started doing that. I started feeling a lot better. And I like the, you know, the 10 pounds that I had, like love handles or whatever, those went away. I had a ton more energy. I'm doing smoothies every morning, a lot more plant-based foods. And I just feel really, felt really good about it. And I think one of the main things was, you know, what used to eat, I don't know, a ton of pizza, chicken fingers, like all these different things. And after you, after I ate that, like I'd get a stomach ache and these stomach aches just like, I, I, I may just have a sensitive stomach. I'm not sure, but they would just be painful. And it was yeah. like the, the high of that food to me, it, it wasn't worth the after effects. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, I'm never going back. And so, you know, I do eat pizza. I do occasionally like I'll have... Uh, occasionally a piece of fish or something if I go to a steakhouse and it's, you know, yeah. uh, and it's and it's tough to find something else. But for the most part, I've been eating eating vegan since uh, late 2012. And it's, it's like, it's just been great, you know, a lot yeah. of energy. And uh, also just, you know, not to 
talk about this forever, but um, you know, huge environmental impact on on your diet, like the that your diet has, um, and then also just kind of like if if you. Not that we need to talk about morals or anything like that, or uh, yeah, no, ethics or no. Anything, let's but, get into it. That's what we um, do. But yeah. uh, you know, it, 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 you also, I, I think, yeah. it's on some level, you do feel a little bit better when you're like, okay, like I'm not killing all these animals to like eat. You know, I can eat all these great things and be satisfied and feel great and not feel like not have that weighing on my conscience. You know. Yeah. So that that was kind of the journey there. Totally, totally cool. So, at what point? does kind of the idea for the book come into play here so you're you're kind of on a health journey somewhat right yep. and you end up you know very close to all plant-based and feeling amazing um yeah what did, were you struggling like with mental health at the time or like what what sort of sparked this whole yeah, thing into that uh, the mental health stuff went further back yeah so i you know dealt with anxiety a lot in my life and I mean, it's, it's interesting when I talk to people because they'll be like, you deal with anxiety? And I'll be like, number one, I think I hide it pretty well. Mm. Um, number two, like, you know, my li- my, nothing bad has really happened in my life. My life's been pretty good. I'm very fortunate. Um, but, you know, sometimes you're just dealt, like, the brain chemistry that you're dealt and you got to, you know, you got to figure that out. And so I would say, like, it really hit me, like, late in high school where just, like, you know, like, track meets and, like, dates and stuff like that, they were just, like, they would just like weigh on me for like weeks in advance. Mm. It would be like, I'd have a track meet, I'd cross the finish line, I'd be, I'd be feeling good for like a day, and then I'd think about the next track meet because mm. it's an intense experience. I mean, you're you're physically exerting yourself to the highest degree. Yeah, that, and that you're you can. alone in most cases. That's the thing about, yep, a lot of track like, it's you out there. Oh yeah, no helmet to cover <laughs> your face, right? Like, Nothing. <laughs> and also, like you know, when you go for a run now you bring your ipod you feel good you get pumped up i mean those track meets like not only are you alone like physically but like there's nothing to distract you you know yeah and that and that's and that's challenging but um yeah so it was like in high school just started to feel anxious a lot and like it was mostly around specific things where whether it was a date or a track meet or something like that but i didn't know i had like no idea what this stuff was you know and uh actually i mean all of this is in the book but i um it was senior year of high school. I was on a date with a girl. Like we went back to my parents' house, and it was like we were kind of on the rocks, didn't know what was happening, and I was just like nervous about the outcome, right? And so, I, I asked her like, hey, you know, like what's going on between us or whatever. And as I thought about it, I got so nervous, like insanely nervous, and I ended up having like the first panic attack of my life, where yeah. like I literally am like on my couch, and like for a solid minute. I like didn't say a word, just stared at the TV because like I couldn't think, you know, yeah. it was like my, my mind had just like consumed me. My heart was racing out of my chest. I couldn't like even get words out. It was like, it was difficult to, to do much of anything, you know? Mm. And um, so that was kind of the first like super, super acute thing that I have, had ever dealt with. Obviously the track meets and stuff like that, but yeah. this was like overwhelming, you know? Yeah. And so I, I even at the time, I, I still didn't know. Like, I mean, go- we had Google, we definitely did, but like it just... I don't know, like we didn't like sit there and research like heart racing really fast or anything like that. I was just like, I I don't know what that was. I got to figure that out or whatever. And so then uh, in early college, it was one of the first weekends in college. I was not really seeing this girl, but like we had hung out a few times and um, 
like she came over one night and like she had been at a party and I, I was just like, I don't know, I got back from dinner or something like, you know, totally sober. And, um, she, she had had a couple drinks and like she ended up like seeing or meeting me in the hallway and we ended up like sitting on a chair together. And, uh, I was again, super, super nervous. Like my heart was like racing out of my chest, just yeah. like, you know, just stuff that I think a lot of people go through. It's not yeah, super totally. uncommon, but it, it's just hard to deal with if you don't know what it is. And so she like, she actually, you know, ha- having had a couple drinks, she like totally freaked out on me. Like, was like, oh my God, why are you shaking? Like, this is like, she, it was, it was a, a, a almost a traumatic thing to go through, you know? Yeah. She was like, can we swear on this podcast? I don't oh, know. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. You know, and she was like, she was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, oh my yeah. God, are you fucking crazy? Yeah. And like, like stormed off, just ran down the stairs. Yeah. We lived in the same dorm building, stormed off. I, you know, like reluctantly, I'm like, okay, I gotta like, I gotta like try to like, I don't know, like um, I ran after her and I was like, I, I gotta explain myself or something, you know? Yeah, and so yeah. like we're at her door and I'm just like, I'm sorry, I'm so tired. Like I still didn't know what this was really called, you know? Mm. And she was like, she was like, I'm just going to bed or whatever. And it was, it was like one of the most brutally awkward experiences and just like humbling experiences of my life, you know? Yeah. Um, for something that like that to happen. And I went like the next day I woke up and I was like, okay, I don't know what that was, but that's the second time it's happened and I got to figure out what it is. Yeah. And so I bought a bunch of eBooks that next day. I was like, I eventually re- like, I was like, okay, it might be anxiety. It might be panic attacks. Like I had, I had heard those terms before, but I'm 18. Like we, you know, we were more focused on like, finding beer and girls and going to class and stuff than really thinking about mental health and so that was when I really jumped into it I was like it kind of consumed me and I was like I need to figure out what this is so for a long time in college just like you know had a I I would say those are the only two like real panic attacks that I ever had but you know you'd be nervous before um, going to hang out with somebody or going on a date or something like that and I I just kind of like managed it like got through I didn't really have any strategies. I was just like, okay, I'm gonna, like I've, I've, I've experienced it before. So it's not this totally new thing. And it's like kind of the devil you know, right? It's like, I know, I know what it's like, even though it's really scary. And so like, I'm just gonna try to push through it and get through those experiences if they come up again in the future. But I didn't have any strategies for dealing with any of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Something I wanna just point out because yeah. I, like as you're talking, like totally relate to certain situations like that. Yep. Not on like having a full blown, you know, panic attack, but just those awkward situations where you're just nervous beyond belief. Yeah, absolutely. And something like I have a vivid memory of just literally, you know, finally, you know, getting the courage to walk up to a girl at like a frat party and ask her to dance, right? Yep. And so nervous about so it, nervous, you know? So nervous, yeah. Oh, man. And she literally, I'll never forget it, and I, like, know the girl's name everything, yep. you know? And she just looked right at me, and she was like, no. And, like, just, like, you know, went off with her friends. And it's just one of those things, like, the reaction in those situations just has, like, a, you know, something to put out there to people listening, like, be aware Yes, you know, as, as a female and a male, absolutely. like how you react to those situations, because yeah. like that traumatized me personally oh, for yeah. like the next year. Like I felt like I couldn't, I had no shot with girls after that, you yep. know, after that experience. And when you have, you know, experiences like that with someone like, you know, how you react and how you, you know, 
turn them down, yep. um, you know, can really affect them and just like oh, yeah. people, both sides, men and women, like be aware of that. Like, Absolutely. And be I- nice, especially if the guy or the girl that, you know, is asking to hang out or asking to dance, like is nice about it yeah. and not yeah, being definitely. a dick, right. then like, you know, don't be a dick back, you know, yep. because that, that's, that's a hit, you know? It, yeah. It definitely is. And I think that when you're in high school and college, like you're just not that self-aware. Mm. And I think as you get older, I, I, I think, like, I don't yeah. know if it's, you know, certain experiences. <laughs> we don't have the answers here. Yeah. I don't know if certain experiences kind of push you in that direction or I'm sure there's still people out there that would still turn people down, you know, at our age, like in a really mean or negative way. But I think as I've gotten older, I've just become more self-aware where it's like, you realize that those people obviously have feelings too. And, um, of course you do, but like, you know, if that person comes up to you, like you said, and, um, and you turn them down in, in a, in a demeaning way or look at them with contempt or something like that, like that's really going to affect them. And, um, you know, that's, it's a good point to bring up. It It makes it worse. Like you're a panic attack. Like, you know, the girl running away, like flipping out, not wanting to talk to you about it. It makes it worse. Oh, you know what I mean? So so much worse. That's the point I'm trying to get across. But anyway, so you have that experience. You're trying to figure out what's going on. Yep. So I was just kind of pushed through. Like I, I didn't really know that, that much about like what, what the condition, like I, I, I had identified that it was anxiety, panic attack, that sort of thing. But like, I mean, the content out there that I was able to find, and this is also, this was 2008. So like, yeah, we had the internet, we had Google and whatnot, but you know, 10 years ago, we didn't have the same, like Kindle was, there wasn't as many, like books weren't just like, there wasn't billions of books out there. You know, there wasn't content everywhere. There weren't podcasts everywhere, Instagram, like all these places that we find content now that just didn't exist. So it was like, I'm on like these kind of like sketchy, like people's like personal websites where you're paying like, $25 $25 through this website that you don't know anything about to get like an ebook or an e-guide about yeah. a certain topic, right? So as I'm going along, I'm, I'm buying this stuff. And I mean, some of the stuff was like a little bit helpful, but like I never got to a point where I was like, I read a certain piece of content. I felt like I could really manage my anxiety after that. Mm. It, was, it was just this constant battle of like, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep persevering and pushing through, but I don't have the strategies that are, that help me yet. And so I, I kind of just pushed through for a long time. And then it was in, and again, like all these stories are in the book. It's, it's fun, you know, kind of to yeah. be on the other side of them and just recount them and talk about yeah. your journey, how you got there. Yeah. But it was, it was 2015. So three years ago, um, I had seen this one girl just a couple times, like we went out, but I thought we had a really good connection. Um, and she went to Europe for a few months. It was just bad timing, you know? (laughs) And so I was like, she's leaving. And I'm like, okay, like this is, I'm not gonna, we hung out like literally two times. I'm not, I'm not gonna like hold off for this girl that's leaving and out of the country for three months, but we just kind of stayed in touch and had fun talking to each other and whatnot. And, uh, like as time went by, I was like, oh wow, like shit, I, I really like this girl. And I like, that kind of freaks me out. And also the fact that like, she's still gone for another 10, however many weeks, right? It's like, I can't actually do anything about this. Yeah, I can text her, we can keep in touch, but like, I, I can't physically be there. I like, it, it's just kind of like a helpless situation in a way, you know? And so I started getting really anxious about that situation. Um, what, one of the main things is like, you know, you, your experiences that are strong emotional experiences kind of stick with you sometimes, right? And so it was like, throughout my life, it was like, 
if I went to an interview or on a date or something like something like that, where it's like a one-on-one personal encounter, like it was so hard to push the thoughts of those original experiences where I had panic attacks like out of my mind. Yeah. I think I did an okay job with it, but like that would just always be there, you know. And so I'm sitting like I that's it was in 2015 with this girl in Europe, and uh, I was at my client's office. Um, uh, I probably can't talk about who the client was, but they have an office in Boston. And, you know, it was a pretty boring project that I was on. We didn't have a lot to do. And so it was like, when you don't have much to do and you can't occupy your mind, your mind just goes into these bad places and looping thoughts and stuff like that, right? So, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like thinking to myself, well, she's still gone for X amount of weeks. I can't do anything about it. I like her a lot, but we've only been out twice. Like all these things in my mind, I'm like, this is all like weird and bad and, and whatnot. And then at the same time, like even when she comes back, like what happens if I go out with her and I have a pa- like a panic attack in front of her? Like I, that's happened before and that's really scary. Yeah. And the toughest thing about that situation was like, I think the amount of time that you have, like if you, if you get like acute, acute anxious or like if you experience like acute anxiety, the amount of time like leading up to whatever is causing your anxiety is, is like, instrumental in it, it, it's like a function of how much anxiety you inevitably feel yeah. right because it's like if you have 10 weeks to get nervous about something <laughs> you can go so deep into your mind yeah like just rabbit hole for days mm-hmm. and so you know over the course of this period of time while she was away like i put myself in some really bad and negative anxious states and it was like really difficult to experience and um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, looking back on it, you know, is it really that big of a deal? No, but you know, it's, we all have emotions and we all go through things. And that was something that, um, affected me obviously. And so I was like sitting at this client's office one day. I don't, I, I can't exactly remember what day it was, but I want to say it was like midway through her trip. She was probably coming back in like four to six weeks or something like that. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I kind of just like slowed down for a minute and I'm like, this is fucking bananas. Like, what am I doing? You know, like, (laughs) like I obviously like, like I like this girl, but like, this is insane. Like I am making myself feel bad about something that I can't control. That's like so far away in time that I'm not having fun today. I'm not being present. I'm not like trying to go out and make other things happen in my life. I'm just consumed by this. Yeah. And so it was like just one of those like moments of rationality where you're like, this doesn't make any sense. Mm. And so I, you know, for one reason or another, I was like, okay, I, I still felt bad, obviously. Like I was still felt anxious and um, I think anxious is the best word to describe it, but I still felt that way. And so I was like, okay, I got to do something. So I'm like sitting in my client's office, like looking out over the, the water in Boston. And I just like pull my phone out and I start writing a bunch of stuff down. And I don't, I don't, honest to God, like I don't even know what it was. Like it was, I, I, I do know what it is now, but like at the time I was just, writing stuff down as like a distraction method, like yeah. a little bit of like, I felt this creative energy inside of me and wanted to capture it. And also a little bit of like, I got to do something to get my mind off this situation. So I started writing a bunch of stuff down. And then when I like kind of felt like I was done, I looked down and realized that I had written like just a bunch of random strategies that like I thought could help me in like right then and there, like feel less anxious. And so I started applying those strategies and felt like, you know, I, I did that that day and then I also kept doing it for like the rest of the summer and I felt like they were really helping me and uh, you know I can talk about what some of those are but um, just kept using those like while she was away and then even when she came back and I, I use them I've used them pretty much every day of my life yeah. uh, since then and just find that they're really helpful and so that was like the first time in my life where I was like I have a strategy 
that I can use to like manage my anxiety. Yeah. And sure, like you pick up stuff along the way and I'm sure some of this stuff was just in my mind somewhere, even subconsciously or whatever, but this was the first time that I ever had it in front of me. Yeah. And I could like, I had something that I could just go to. If I felt anxious, I could just go right to these tools and I could use them. Whereas before it was like, you know, until you put it onto paper, you're like, oh, well, this guy said this one thing and this other guy said that other thing and I got to remind myself of those things. But when you have like a decree, it's like, okay, that's what I do. Those are almost like my laws. I just go to them, right? And so I, I've used those for a long period of time. And, um, you know, over the past few years, as I talk to more and more people, I've just opened up more about like my anxiety and, and things like that. And I've, I've the, the more people I've talked to, it seems like, you know, a lot of people deal with anxiety. Yeah, I have different figures in the book that kind of show uh, different studies that show how, like, how common of a, of yeah. a experience it is. And so as I talked to more and more people, I was like, oh, like, this isn't something like, I don't really have to be ashamed of this because so many people experience it. And as I talked to those people and I felt, you know, I felt like I could become more open about it, I started sharing those strategies with people. Yeah. And, and some people were like, wow, mm. like, these are really helpful. And so it just, that cycle kind of just kept going until I got to a point where I was like, okay, I got to do something with these. Like people, people could benefit from them, you know? And so I was like, I don't know if I'd write a blog post or whatever. Um, and I kind of thought back and I had said to myself, like, you ever, you ever have one of those experiences where like as the man in you is just like, like, fuck it. Like we're going to figure this out. Like yeah. fuck everything else. And we're going to, we're going to do that. It was like when I was 18, when I had first experienced anxiety, I was like, my mom was like, we're going to go find help. We're going to find a doctor, like all this stuff. And I was like, no, fuck that. We're yeah. going to figure this out. I'm going totally. to, I'm going to get the strategies. Like, and, and I had no idea. I was just, you know, just like, a, um, <laughs> just being a, a kid, you know? Yeah, and I, I was, I was like in time, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to figure this out. And eventually that was kind of the path I took. So, yeah, I think like whether it's, Anxiety, whatever your anxiety is about, I think, like, like for me personally, just as you were talking, what I was thinking, like, I get, you know, anxiety about certain things, like, I need to get done, yep. or, like, a goal I'm trying to reach that's, like, so far away, and I get anxiety about it, and just literally writing down, like, the 10 things I need to do that day, um, like, lifts the weight off my shoulders, I'm like, all right, Definitely. I got it on paper, here's the checklist, here's, here's like the actionable thing I need to do to get there, so let's stop worrying about it, let's, let's you know, yeah. let's bang these out, you Absolutely. know? Absolutely. And it's like, even, I'll even do that sometimes before bed, like I'll write like tomorrow's checklist because I'm, you know, you know, watching TV at nine o'clock and I'm like trying to wind down for the night, Yeah. but I'm worried about all the shit I gotta get done tomorrow or, or the things I have to do. Right. And I can't, I don't sleep well because of that. Yeah. But if I write it down, I'm like, all right, this is like, I got a point. Like, I'm good. And I feel like, as you were talking, like, it's a similar sort of deal. It's like, you know, I got this written down. If this happens, I got X, Y, and Z to kind of tackle it. You know? Absolutely. And yeah. I'm one of the, there's a lot of different frameworks that I talk about in the book. One of the frameworks towards the beginning is like, I have these three tenets of anxiety. So, like, kind of the, just the pillars of like, you know, explaining what it is, where it comes from, that sort of thing. Um, one of them is just that all anxiety is rooted in uncertainty, right? So it's like as you're writing, though, as you feel anxious because you don't have things written down, your brain doesn't know what all those things are. So it immediately thinks like, okay, I, there could be millions of things. 
And until it can pinpoint what those are and say, I finally figured that out, there's just a ton of uncertainty around whatever the situation or the day or the tasks mm. are, right? And so you, you almost in a way like, I don't want to say you conjure up like worst case scenarios, but what we get so stressed out because we, we can't pinpoint everything, like you said. So it's, you think about the next day and you immediately feel stressed because you, you say to yourself, I have so many things to do, I don't know how I'm going to get them all done. And you know, subconsciously your brain may interpret that as like, so much to do may mean 10 days worth of work in one day. Yeah. And until you can sit and write it down and say, oh, okay, it's, it's not actually 10 days. It's, maybe it's two and I got to smash it into one day, but it's not like you, you put, you attach certainty to it in now knowing how much work is required, mm. you know? Yeah, totally. So yeah, I hear that. So give us, if you would, can you share some of like those tools that you um, yeah. have in the book and Definitely. have shared with people since? Yeah, I'm happy to talk about um, some of those things. I mean, I'll, I'll kind of jump around. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, so the framework of, of the, the biggest framework in the book is what I call the 10 steps to getting out of your head. And so it's these 10 steps that I walk through. And, you know, like they are, they're, for me, they're helpful sometimes if I go through all of them, and like, you know, in a stepping process. But it's also helpful to just pick a few of them out and just use one of them, like one or two of them in a situation, you don't always need to use all, all 10 of them. Um, but it's just like helpful to present them in that fashion, right? So the very first one that I talk about is just literally breathing. I think when we are in anxious situations, what happens is like, you know, your, your fight or flight system, or even just like, even if you don't necessarily have like a, a panic attack or a, um, a, a, a really extreme fight or flight reaction, you might have butterflies in your stomach, or you may have an intense heartbeat or you might sweat a little bit or have sweaty palms or something that is indicative of like even a minor fight or flight response right mm. and so when that happens like we go from being calm and collected to like oh my god like I don't know what to do and like your mind is moving a million miles a second and you like there's no logic involved there right because the fight or flight response is like our our body's way through evolution of helping us survive so it's like when you, when somebody, like, if a lion attacks you in the jungle, like, there's no time to be like, oh, he's, he looks like a nice lion. Like, his teeth don't look that big. Like, yeah. you got to get the fuck out of there, yeah. you know? And so <laughs> um, when, you, when you have a fight or flight reaction, you, you just, you're prone to just, like, lose all logic, which is, you know, what, what is supposed to happen, and just, like, immediately take charge of the situation without even thinking about it. Um, the problem is that, like, in today's world where, like, we don't face a lot of lions in our lives. We yeah. just face our, our dates lives and, aren't on the line, like you know. Right. So you know, most of the time, like when we get stressed out, we can't be like, "Oh, there's a lion in front of me. I just gotta book it." You know, um, we may be in an interview for like two hours where we have to chill, like and mm. like calm down and talk to the person in front of us and keep ourselves composed. And it's really hard to do that when our bodies are still in fight or flight mode. So you know, the first step is, like I said, breathe is to just take a bunch of like deep, deep breaths, you know, really go through your diaphragm and make sure that your belly expands um, yeah. as you're doing it. And the reason behind that is so like, when I talk about the fight or flight system, that's like the sympathetic nervous system. So that's like the part of your peripheral nervous system that just gets you out of like intense situations. Um, there's another part of the peripheral nervous system and that's called the parasympathetic nervous system. And that's the like, if there's the fight or flight, which is the ANS, the PSNS is, more of the like 
feed and breed or like rest and digest. So that's what brings you back to calm after a fight or flight response. Mm. And you can actually activate that if you breathe. Yeah. And so what happens is we find ourselves in these fight or flight situations and then we hyperventilate because we don't know what to do. And so we're like, oh my God, like what do I do, what do I do? And we, we keep it prolonged. Yeah. And then we, we keep ourselves out of that logic state, which is kind of indicative of being calm and being um, activating the parasympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system. So like that first step is just to like get perspective and be able to like calm yourself down and get back to a point where you can engage logic. Because yeah. until you do that, like nothing else will help. You yeah. Know? And on top of that, like breathing, like just creating an oxygenated state in your body has... Yep thousands of different health health benefits right along with it so yeah. it's like throughout the day regardless if you're you know experiencing anxiety or not like definitely breathe deeply every now and then yeah, yeah. It's, it's so powerful yeah um and you know i think more people are starting to talk about it especially with like meditation becoming totally. more popular and headspace and different apps like that but there's still like i think we sometimes discount how much of an impact we can make on our own internal environments mm-hmm. just by just by breathing, you know, and a lot of people be like, oh, you know, that's just like mumbo jumbo stuff. Like, but you really can, if you just sit down and take a bunch of deep breaths, you can slow yourself down and get back to that, you know, logic or resting state. And it is so helpful. I do that all the time. Yeah, they're fine. And I know like, like I follow like Wim Hof. I oh don't yeah. Know if you know him. But yep. He's the Iceman, right? The Iceman. Yeah. And yeah. he is able to do all kinds of things through his breath and like tap into like the immune system and all like, And he's proven it with science and just crazy stuff and uh yeah he even shows like you change the the um you know chemicals in your brain just yep. by breathing and, and all that so yeah yeah all right so so that's one we got yep. one uh so one i mean i'll kind of you hop. can jump around yeah pick yeah, one I'll, you I'll want jump that around. you think would be maybe definitely most value or whatever you want to talk yeah, about yeah I, I think another helpful one is i i you know i don't i think this is step three in my step ten, uh, ten steps um but the step overall is just it's just saying evaluate the outcomes of the situation in front of you and reconnect to the one that you want. And so, you know, this, just to give you a little bit of background, my book is broken into two parts. So the first part is what I call zooming in, just talk really deeply about what anxiety is, where it comes from, and then also talk about like what I call acute anxious situations. So that's those job interviews, jumping out of a plane, things like that, like a specific moment in time or event on the calendar, something that you can pinpoint. Um, obviously there's anxiety that's much different than that. Some people are, um, you know, get anxious about their health or hypochondriacs or something like that. More, um, high level anxiety. That's, I, I address more of that stuff in the second half of the book. Um, but this, this first half is, is more like that. How do I get myself out of these fight or flight situations? Like, um, in the moment. Mm. And so, um, you know, step, step three, which is like connect to reconnect to the outcome you want after evaluating like the different potential outcomes of the situation obviously like it it's harder to put that in the perspective of a of a a more um, high level situation but you know let's kind of just go with the concept of like having an interview right so that's something that's specific where I think what happens is when we get anxious we we really like dwell on some of the negative things and sometimes we forget like what we actually want to happen or, or to occur from the event that's like, you know, on our calendar. So if we have a job interview, what, what I find sometimes is that I get so anxious about it and so afraid of it that I forget that I even want the job. You know what I mean? I forget the potential outcome of like, I could actually get this job. I could get a great salary. I could meet a ton of people. It could be the best experience of my life. 
and I hone in, and it's not even a conscious thing. It's just, you know, sometimes your brain gets moving too fast, and I hone in on, like, what if I freak out in the middle of the interview, or what if they ask me a question, and I have no idea what the answer is, and I look like a total idiot. And so, like, just kind of to go back towards the evolution kind of thing, right? I mean, our brains are, I'd say by design, our brains are more more attuned to the negative than the positive. And that's, that's yeah. to keep us alive. It's like, yeah. you know, if you, if you kind of weigh like, okay, 10, you know, getting, winning $10 million versus being attacked by a lion, like, you know, if you took the absolute value of like those, a negative and a positive situation, I feel like the negative one will always trump because it's like, well, if I, if that lion kills me, then those $10 million don't mean anything. Yeah. Right. Um, and so we, when it comes to acute anxious situations, our brains like hone in on those negative potential outcomes because they're, they see that like in a way it represents like death or pain or those kinds of things and it wants to drive that out. And so what happens is we often get stuck on those ideas and then we ruminate or we you know, cycle on top of those, have negative thoughts about those outcomes and we get distracted and we, we like sometimes I literally forget like I said, like I, if I have an interview coming up or a date or something, I forget that something good could actually happen. Yeah. And so this, this step where I say evaluate the potential outcomes and reconnect to the one you want is to, again, slow yourself down, make a list of like, hey, you know, okay, maybe I, maybe I could freak out in the interview, but I could, also, I could also get the job, you know? I could get a great salary, that sort of thing. Reminding yourself of that outcome because so often the anxiety consumes us and we just, we just are blinded to that. So... As you're talking here, I'm thinking one of the best, the best advice I've been given for public speaking, which yep. is something that still scares the shit out of me. Yeah, you know, I mean, every it scares time I, a lot of us. You know, it's it's one of the I get nervous for sure. Yep. And uh, a similar sort of piece of advice to instead of being like, oh, what if I forget what I'm going to say? What if I like stumble or pause or whatever? What if I say something wrong? Right. Yep. Focusing on all that. Um, the advice I got was like. You know, this has nothing to do with you. The message you're about to Absolutely. talk about has nothing to do with you. This is about the people that are in the room that you're yep. trying to de- deliver the message to. 100%. Focus on those people, and all you should care about is just getting that message to them. It's not about you. It's about them. And it's like, yeah, it's a similar thing. Focusing on, like, the positive side to what you're actually doing. You're giving that talk because you want to, you know, in most cases with me, it's, like, to positively impact yep. other people's lives. It's got nothing to do with me. Yep. And that... If you focus on that, it takes the pressure off yourself. You're like, let me get this value to them. Definitely. And let's stop worrying about if I mess up or not. You yeah. know? Because it's not it's not like my bad if that that happens, it's it's their bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's I mean it's hilarious that you say that. I mean, there's only so many different hypothetical examples I can give in the book. Yeah. But inevitably one of them is, you know, is giving yeah. giving a speech. Yeah. And just thinking about like like you said, okay, what's my message? And is that like, for when you get anxious about that speech, you know, you immediately go to those negative things. Yeah. But being able to step back and, like you said, say, "Hey, what's my message? Maybe I can deliver it and help people." Like that, that brings you out of that anxious state sometimes. Totally. Um, it's, it's definitely I, I use I try to use that that you know that that strategy a lot. Totally. So. I love it. I love it. All right, let's hit let's hit another one. If, sure. Uh, um, so I, I'll kind of go towards the end of the list just to, you know, kind of break it up. Yeah, because I got some questions too. For sure. Yeah. Uh, some different strategies. But uh, so number nine is remember that the worst part of anxiety is the waiting. And so I have a, a bunch of different good stories about this uh, in the book. But 
I think like the, the most important thing to remember is that as you go, like, so, I, you know, obviously we've all been nervous before and gone through situations that have scared us or whatever. And having been through a lot of them, I, I have found a time and time again that no matter how deep inside your head you get before you get to what I'll call an acute anxious situation, the, the black hole of your mind is always worse than the event itself. And what I mean by that is like, you can make yourself feel so, so horrible that even if you freak out and the worst case scenario happens in the situation you're fearing, how you felt leading up to it is still worse than that worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. And some of that is, is like ahead of time discounting the fact that like you, you will figure it out as you go. You know, I think that we, we think about negative things and we say like, oh, if I, if I do freak out in that interview, like that's the end of the world. It's I'm done, you know? Yeah. But like we, we, a lot of times forget about the fact that like we've been through tough things before and we, we figure them out as we go. You know, mm. we can't always, number one, we can't know what's going to happen to us. And number two, like, because we can't know what's going to happen to us, we can't know how we're going to react to those things. And so there's a lot of times in life where you're just, you're winging it. And you go through that enough that you realize that, like, you know, that the worst part of anxious events and stuff really is that that part of falling into the black hole of your mind before them, because you gain that self confidence in knowing that whatever comes up, I'll face it. It could be shitty, but I will figure it out. You know. I again am like you're hitting on like something I've come to believe myself is yep. like, you know, whether it's like, how am I going to pay rent this month, or how am I going to get a hundred grand to do this for the business like and what I've found just because I've been through those situations number one I find comfort in the fact that look I've been in this situation 15 times before absolutely I'm here I'm still standing I'm good like I got through it right and I each time before that I was in my head worrying about it but when you step back and think about it you're like all right this is the 15th time I'm still here it all worked out yep why, why worry about it anymore? Yeah. And, then, and then also it's like recognizing that, you know, worrying only makes it worse, right? Yeah. You know, worrying about it is not going to get you your rent money or not going to solve the problem. Of, Definitely. You know, it only makes things worse. You get worse at solving the problem. Yep. Because so you, like, you lose that, you know, going between the fight or flight mode and the kind of resting or calm phase as, as you work yourself up you get yourself further away from logic and being able to figure out a plan as you move into that fight or flight state, so. Yeah, it's like, it's like, you know, like my girlfriend always gives me a hard time with how like chill I am about certain things. And yep. she's like, how the hell are you gonna get 50 grand in four days to open the restaurant? Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, you just, I just am, you know, yeah. it's just gonna happen, you know, and, and worrying about it's not gonna help. And um, yeah, just be having that, yeah, it's hard to do. But like, yeah, as you say, once you've been through it and then you realize, okay, I got through it and it worked yep. out, then like, why worry about it each time? Yeah. You know? And I, and I think that, you know, what I, what, I, what I'm going to say now, it, it, it's obviously not this black and white, but I think that a lot of the times, if you think about like an interview or something that makes you nervous, sometimes it would benefit us all to just have the worst case scenario happen one yeah. time. You know, they, they talk <laughs> yeah. about like fail fast, fail often yeah. is like. Sometimes we fear what we don't know because we've never been through it. When mm. like there are some people that have been through worst case scenario and then they're like, that was as bad as it could get. Yeah, whatever. I'm good. You know, yeah. and then that allows them to turn the, the switch off in their mind. And obviously totally. that's not going to happen all the time. Like, I, you know, like I mentioned, I went through some 
panic attacks and whatnot, and, and those stuck with me. Um, and so those are scary, but I do think that there are certain situations in life where it's like, if the worst thing in the world happened to you, it might be a good thing sometimes, yeah. you know? I hear that. I totally hear that. Um, all right, so I got some questions sure. kind of outside of uh, these 10, uh, 10 tips, tools, whatever you call them. Yep, the steps. The steps. Um, technology. Can we talk a little? I don't know if you have anything in the book or not, but I'd love to just get your perspective on yeah. I, um, cell phones. You know, yep, it's really inter- iPhone. interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I actually don't have anything in the book about technology, yeah. I, at least that I can think of. Um, I mean, so much like... So much of my my steps and my strategies are I, I think they're kind of timeless. You know, I kind of yeah. relate a lot of stuff back to evolution and physiology and psychology. But I have you know I kind of write a little bit of a blog. Like I've fallen, I haven't kept up with it as well as I got the book out the door. But I did do a blog post on social media and you know how how painful or how difficult it can be, um, how it can contribute to anxiety. Mm. And I think one of the things is that like. Let's take Instagram, for example, right? Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I like to post on Instagram. I don't do it a lot, like, probably, like, six times a year. It's fun to see what your friends are doing and whatnot, but it's bullshit, right? Yeah. Like, it's like... Yeah. You, like, I will, I will <laughs> never forget. I was at this cookout. One of my, one of my friends, like, she's a great girl. Um, she, like, we were kind of just shooting the shit or whatever, and, and she was, like, you know, going to post something on Instagram or whatever, and then she kind of made some, some comment about, like touching up the photo or something this was like six years ago I you know Instagram was still like it you know had already it's not the beast it is now right it had been acquired by Facebook but it wasn't the same like it wasn't the same marketing platform and all those sorts of things so I like I'm just posting you know a few times a year just taking pictures as they are maybe throwing one of their filters on it but nothing crazy and so she had made some comment to me and I I was like I I don't exactly remember the, the words that she used but I was like wait what did you just say and she's like well, of course I'm going to take this picture and I'm going to throw it into this other app and whiten my teeth and remove my blemishes and brighten my skin <laughs> yeah. tone. And I was just like, that, that like blew my mind. Yeah. Because, you know, th- again, this was six or so years ago. I just had never heard of that before. And mm-hmm. I think probably nowadays a lot more people just accept that as, as common, right? But yeah. um, I think what happens is you go on social media and you see those pictures that are posted. And I, I think it's, this, is, this might be more relevant to the women that are listening but like you might see these pictures and be like oh my god that's like the prettiest girl in the world like why am I not that pretty or like like you know I don't think my girlfriend's that pretty or whatever like things like that right and you start to feel self-conscious about things that aren't even real yeah so like the anxiety builds because you 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 compare yourself to other people but you're not actually comparing yourself to like the person that you would see if they sat across from you you know in this restaurant yeah you're comparing yourself to like something that literally is not real and that drives you crazy. And then, and the crazy, the craziest thing is like, you might see those people like next week and then feel differently about interacting with them because you have this image in your mind of how they are, but it's not how they actually are, you know? Totally. It's nuts. Yeah. Instagram is nuts. And like the more people can understand that the life portrayed on Instagram is not their actual life, that they still... You know, that was one photo for the trip to Bali. You know, yep. that wasn't them yeah. like... I'm not really You know, uh, sitting on the beach all day and having... Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, um, but yeah, and... Yeah, and I think, I think it's almost good to meet somebody that you 
fall that has a million followers and yeah. and maybe even see, like see the behind the scenes oh, I think of a post yeah. and see like the extent they go through and be like, oh, this isn't that cool of a life. Like they yeah. were just living a normal life and then they like fired this out, you know, and yep. just, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's tough, especially for like young kids that have grown up with it. Definitely. Always I think that's being the... compared, like I'm not as good looking. I'm not as jacked. Yep. I, you know, I don't get to travel the world like this person. I, you know, what am I doing wrong that I can't be doing this? And yeah, you can definitely go down a, down a hole there. Yep. Yeah. And it's, it's tough. I mean, we all want to put out a good image of ourselves. So like, yeah. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say that people shouldn't do that. Cause I post pictures online that I, I want to look good in them and I want to, you know, look like I'm having fun and stuff like that. But I, I do think that number one, knowing that Instagram and social media can be a bit fake, can help you feel less anxious about it when you look at it. Yeah. You just kind of step back and you say, this is just kind of a fun place to like, I don't know. Put your best light forward. Exactly. Yeah. And know that it might not necessarily be 100% true. Yeah. So I think that's, I think that's important. Yeah. What do you think of like, I struggle with this, just the constant notifications, the constant like, you know, how many likes do I have? How many views do I have? Like the constant... Like, I find, like, that new feature on iPhone, like, the screen time. Yep. Like, you get, like, the... I, th- I think I get, like, the weekly thing. I think it's and I'm like, holy shit, was I really on Instagram for, like, two and a half hours on Monday? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, yep. um, but I find myself, like, it definitely is addicting. And it it's, is. like... It definitely is. Consuming. And then, like, yeah, that screen time has kind of, like, shocked me a little bit to the point where it's, like... You need to throw it on airplane mode every now and then yep. to like keep yourself sane. You know? Yeah, and it's it's definitely just a little bit of awareness. But I think one thing that's important is like is is kind of like getting to the point where like you you don't like you don't seek external validation as much as you do internal validation. And that's a, like that's a mouthful, you know. Like that's a lot to really break down in just a, a minute or two. But um, I, I think a good example, right, is like you know you you went. Um, you went to college and you played football and I'm sure there was a lot of like, you know, got to act a certain way, got to be a certain person and whatnot. And, you know, transitioning out of college, I'm sure like opening this restaurant, like, I guess, I guess kind of what I'm getting at is like, if you, if you cared so much about what other people thought of you, you might be like, oh shit, I can't open this restaurant because I'm supposed to be this like, you know, masculine jacked guy, like not this like, um, earth loving or whatever they call you know, yeah. people who eat uh, us Vegan, like... Vegan, hippie, tree Yeah, hugging. exactly. So it's like, <laughs> you have to, like, yeah. it, it takes time, and I don't know if there's, like, a, a predefined way to get there, but, like, you, it, it's almost like you have to, at some point in your life, realize that, like, the clicks and likes and the comments, yeah, don't get me wrong, I like them too. Yeah. But, like, like you, you almost have to get to a point where you're, like, you see that they're somewhat meaningless, and what is important to you is not, like, the external validation, but the internal validation of, like, Am I living the life that I, that makes me happy? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and it doesn't matter what it is. Like, it's like, if you want to, if, if that's move to Vermont and live in a shack and live off the land, like that, that's what that means, you know, is like yeah. doing what makes you happy versus um, always trying to get that external validation. And when you said like, you know, how do you handle the, the likes and wanting to get all these different clicks and stuff like that? I mean, don't get me wrong. I want them too but I just don't care that much. Like yeah. I, if I post a photo and literally nobody likes it, I'll be like, ooh, like that's awkward, you know? But like, I'm, I'm not out there to get 
I'm not going to be like, oh, I, I didn't get 150 likes. I'm going to take this down. Like, I'm going to live the life I want to. I'm going to hopefully inspire some people to to follow that lifestyle. And, you know, if it doesn't, at the very least, I feel good about the lifestyle that I lead. And I think that helps you at the very least step back from social media in that external va- validation a little bit, you know? Yeah, totally. Uh, next one for you. So there is there's a section in the book on food. Yes. And how I'm assuming how that has an impact on mental health. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is and for people that follow the podcast, like this is something I like to ask, especially like doctors that I have on, and I like to ask people that are sort of um, somewhat experts on it, like yep. their take on like food's impact on mental health. Um, yep. And I've said this before, like I believe they're very much tied. Yep. Like. I know what I need to do to feel like shit tomorrow afternoon right? and, you know, feel like I'm not worth anything and feel horrible. And it's, it's, you know, probably drink a bunch of beers tonight. It's, (laughs) it's, it's wake up tomorrow morning, have a egg McMuffin, you know, have, you know, a coffee with cream and sugar in it and not get out in the sun, not exercise, sit around Netflix and chill. And I will feel like a bag of shit by oh, 4 yeah. p.m., right? Oh, yeah. And on the flip side, I know exactly what to do to feel invincible. I need to get out and exercise. I need to bang a smoothie. I need to meditate. Like, I need to breathe. I need to oh, do yeah. all the things I know make me feel amazing. So, and that directly impacts, like, my confidence. It, it impacts how I perceive other people perceive me. So like, much, everything. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's obvious, but people, when it comes to mental health, and I understand why, but people get really touchy when you suggest that their lifestyle impacts Definitely. their mental issues, if there are some. You yep. know what I mean? Yeah, and it's, it is a, a difficult subject to talk about. I, yeah. I mean, there's a million, a million things about it. I think one of them just being that, like, standard American diet or SAD or whatever people yeah. call it is like it's so ingrained in everybody you know um, and I think anytime that you kind of infringe upon or kind of suggest that somebody's way of life or beliefs or whatever are not to say wrong but maybe contributing to XYZ they're obviously going to get a little bit defensive yeah. um, I think the other thing that comes up sometimes too is that like I have definitely either talked to people or even worked with people like when I was doing my um the self-revolution health business, I, you know, just had some friends. I was like, Hey, do you want to come on as like an early client? Like, I'll just do some health coaching with you. You don't have to like, you don't have to pay a thing. Um, I'll, you know, kind of put a meal plan together for you or whatever. And I had a few people that were like, what happens is like you go from, you know, your body, your body adapts to things really quickly and you get, you get used to this standard American diet where if you go and try to change the way you're eating, sometimes your body can feel worse before it feels better. Yeah. And that's like, you know, it's this, the, I actually talk about this in the book, it's same correlation or kind of same cause and effect as like stopping, like st- if you're a smoker, like stopping smoking cigarettes, you know, it's like you're, you're going to, your body gets used to it. And so when you try to wean yourself off of it, it, you know, you might have withdrawal symptoms. And that's, that's, I think that's one of the really touchy things is like, I, sometimes I talk to people and they're like, oh no, 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 like fuck that veganism stuff. Like I've, I tried that and it like, I felt really shitty, you know? Um, and sometimes like there are, like I have some, you know, medical information or, um, uh, you know, different sources in the book that talk about this, just the withdrawal symptoms that you feel, um, when trying to switch your diet, but you know, to get into some of the, 
well, like some of the stuff that's content in the book around food and whatnot, um, I keep it pretty simple. Um, I think if you can, that the withdrawal stuff aside, if we kind of put that to the side for a minute, because it affects everybody differently, my, my strategy or my philosophy is pretty simple. The first part is like, okay, if you're eating a lot of processed food, what's typically going to happen is like, let's, let's give an, I'm trying to give an example. Like if you're eating white bread, right? So what, what happens is like to make that white bread, we take whole wheat, we process it down, we strip the fiber out, we create a product that obviously isn't found in nature. And so when we eat that, our blood glucose goes through the roof because there's no fiber in the food to slow the digestion of the sugar, which, you know, the starches convert into sugars or whatever, yeah. the, however the science works. Yeah. Um, but typically, so like on, on the flip side, if you eat like a carrot, right? There's actually, carrots have a decent amount of sugar in them, but the reason why they don't send your blood glucose flying up is because they also have a lot of fiber. Yeah, same with fruit. Yep, and yep. so when you're eating processed foods, what you're getting a lot is high sugar content, low fiber content, and you kind of get this, I, I almost call it like the bonk, where like you, you feel a nice spike. Like maybe you have a soda or something like that. You feel a great spike in energy, and then I'll also call it like the 230 effect, right? It's like that 230 feeling where like the effect of the sugar has worn off and you now feel a lot worse than you did before you drank it. Mm -hmm. And so when you're eating a lot of processed foods, the, the, the spikes and falls in, in, in your glucose or your blood glucose can, um, it can, it can make you feel lousy. And that's, you know, that's one, like, so I guess just in and of itself, I like to try to avoid processed foods when I can because, you know, if I eat whole plant-based foods, there's a lot of fiber in them, show, slows down the digestion of the molecules in the food and makes it so that like your blood glucose will at the very least stay a little bit more stable and you won't be prone to those swings that, you know, the, the high highs and the low lows. Yeah. So I guess getting into the, the content in the book of like how, how that applies to mental health is my, again, like my, my philosophy is pretty simple. I, I kind of say that if you spend a lot of time or a lot of energy, like if you, if you feel bad physically, right? If you have a stomach ache or a headache or something like that, you, you kind of have to spend a lot of mental energy focusing on that thing. Like mm. almost you're, you're monitoring your symptoms, right? And so when you, when you feel lousy physically, you're putting a lot of mental resources on your body. And then you, by nature, since, you, since you're focusing on your body, you have less energy, mental energy to devote towards like guarding your mind. And, um, you know, that's kind of a mouthful too, but um, one, like one of the basic premises of the book is that, and, and honestly, I, I even say at one point, like if you take nothing else away from this book, this is what you take away is that like anxiety is like a place that we go mentally, right? And so you're, you might initially feel fearful about something that's coming up, but if you never thought about or reacted to that fear that you felt, it would eventually go away. And so what happens is for most of us, um, the anxiety that we feel is kind of a combination between that initial innate fear that we feel and then also the thoughts that are spurred by that fear. And so we feel that fear, like we feel that fear inside of us and then we start thinking mm. and then we think some more and then we keep going. And I call this looping thinking because it's like you're trying to logic your way out of fear, but that's like literally impossible, you know? And so what I say is if you take nothing else away from the book, it's that if you are able to like control your reactionary thoughts to your fear, then you can stop it in its tracks. And I, you know, I, I, I use fear and anxiety interchangeably, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's, that's one of the core concepts in the book. And so kind of going back to the food is 
if you don't have mental resources, if you're spending your mental resources on guarding your body, you don't have as much intellectual capacity or, or logic or reason. You don't have that energy to spend on standing guard at the door of your mind and making sure that you know you're not giving in to and looping over those scary thoughts, right? Yeah. So totally. it's it's very you know very ba basic premise is just like eat what makes you feel good, and it's probably going to be whole food, plant based diet, that kind of thing. Um, and when you feel good, it's going to be a lot easier to look at the thoughts that are in your mind and, and maybe not control, but like exert a, a greater force over them and say, hey, look, I, I'm going to put you down. You know, I'm not going to just let you run and run and run and subconsciously spin you over in my mind again and again. So totally. totally. Yeah. One thing I thought of when you were saying that, that whole like you might feel worse at first is something I think no matter what it is you're doing, whether it's like trying to get back in the gym it's true, yeah. and the first week's miserable, you're sore, and oh, you're, so you sore. know what I mean? Yep. Or you're changing what you eat and it just doesn't feel right. Nothing yep. feels right. So like when I encourage somebody to make a change, it's like, look, no, you're not going to give this seven days. Right. Give me three months. Yep. Go hard at it three months. And otherwise you're never going to get past that phase of like, it being a transition for your body. Definitely. Um, so, like, that's big with a lot of people and, um, yeah, for any goal. Yeah. And, and it's just, like, it's going to be uncomfortable for X amount of time until yep. your body figures out what's going on, and then that's where all the good stuff lies once you get beyond that. Yes. And um, I, I, it's tough because, like, we do live in an instant gratification world, exactly. right? Where it's, like... Exactly. Even, like, I think most people know that going to the gym takes dedication and you're going to feel sore and whatnot, but I don't think that most people know that you, if you change your diet, you might feel worse. You know, I mm. think, I think most people would pro and, and I could be wrong, but yeah. I think people might look at it and say, oh, if I just went, if I, if all I did was eat vegetables, I'd feel amazing, you know, like, and that might not be the case. And then they may, like, if they feel lousy, they may just be like, oh, whoa, whoa this is my body telling me I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. They might not associate that same, like, hey, I'm going to the gym and I feel bad, but that's okay with I'm eating well but now I feel bad, they may turn away from it immediately. So it's almost kind of like a, just understanding that that's a possibility and not running away from it when it happens. Totally, and there's a lot of people with the way they eat, right? Their body does really crave the Big Mac. Oh, and their body likes that Big percent. Mac, right? Because that's percent. what it's been doing for 20, yep. 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. And, you know, and you, you can get into all sorts of microbiome and bacteria and how your bacteria actually crave the stuff that you do, Yep. which is why that initial period sucks, you oh, know, but you got to get tough. through it to actually see if it works for you. Yep. Um, but anyway, that is awesome. And we're, uh, we're getting, we're getting, uh, pretty high on time, but, um, okay. so give, uh, if you would, uh, so get out of your head is, yep. is the name of the book. Yep. Uh, can you give sort of like your social media, where they can buy the book, all that stuff? If they yeah, definitely. Want to reach out um, or follow or whatever? Yeah, so the book is called Get Out of Your Head, a, a Toolkit for Living with and Overcoming Anxiety. It's on Amazon, both in Kindle and paperback form. The easiest way to find it is to go on Amazon and then type in my name. So that's Brian Sachetta, which is, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you'll have it on the podcast here. Yeah, I'll put the link. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so just type in my name, it'll come right up. Not really. Uh, it's, it's tough battling against all the other books that sell really, really well. So you come up on, you know, a later page. But that's the easiest way to find it. 
um, just starting to get into the social media with it. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a lot of work getting a book out. So yeah. I was like, I wanted to do it before 2018 ended. I, I was working pretty hard doing that. So I was like, you know what? I'll get it out before the end of the year. I'll focus on social media and marketing in 2019. But cool. that's the easiest way to find it. So Yeah, cool. Well, um, I guess, is there anything you want to leave with, pe- with, with people that maybe is like a wake up tomorrow morning and a tactical measure that they can take if they struggle with anxiety or mental problems of any kind? Like, is there something you want to leave people with um, that you haven't covered? Nothing that I haven't covered. I think yeah. just to reiterate on the fact that, um, you know, when you're feeling anxious, really slow yourself down and breathe. Mm. And then you'll get to a point, hopefully, where you can employ a little bit more logic, right? Yeah. And you can, like I said, that, that, that part of the book that I said, if you take nothing else away, take this, is the power that your negative thoughts have. And if you stop your ruminative thinking, you can kind of cut fear out in its tracks. That's, that's really like the message I want to like send home is just when you slow yourself down and breathe and become a little bit more aware of those thought patterns, then you have a better shot at stopping them and feeling better. Um, it's obviously, you know, different things work for different people. And that's one of the tough things about putting the book out there is like, I talk to a lot of people and not everybody experiences anxiety in the same way, but I, I think that that's a pretty common thread. Yeah. So um, that, you know, that was... That was one, one good thing to take away, and I, I guess I'd just say, you know, if anybody has any questions or uh, needs support or anything like that, definitely feel free to reach out to me. I, I wrote the book just, you know, I wanted to help other people and kind of tell my story and, um, you know, probably not going to make a million dollars, but if I can help one person, like, a lot in their mental health battles, then it's all worth it, so. Totally. I love it, man. Yeah, before we kind of sign off, like, first of all, congrats. Thank you. Appreciate because it. that's uh, an accomplishment for yeah, sure. Yeah, it feels good. But um, yeah, just obviously this is more and more um, a recognized problem in the world today. Yeah. And uh, so I'm sure the book will help people and um, at least at least one, hopefully thousands yeah, and, mean, and more. And, exactly. Uh, at least one so, would be great. So I salute you for getting it done and, Thanks, man. and, I appreciate and just it. being able to talk like objectively in hindsight about some of your struggles you know i think that like personally has to be a win in general for you just to be able to like really talk about kind of some of the embarrassing stuff you've you've been through too like that shows you're kind of like you've overcome a lot of that which is really cool so i think like people listening and people reading the book you know that will come across and and that that i think like breaks down the barrier like you're not coming in and being like oh i'm this mental health expert you know <laughs> yeah and like do this do this do this it's right. like hey this is what happened to me yep this is how i've kind of tackled some of those issues and you know it's still i'm still not perfect but this is what worked for me exactly hopefully it works for you and i think like that message in itself goes a long way so yeah congrats. and i i wanted it to be a, a rational approach and you know, I, I think mental health is a taboo thing in America. We don't talk about it a lot, yeah. but so many people deal with it. And I, I wanted to, you know, I, there's no way I'm going to make it so that mental health is all of a sudden in the world, like just a thing we all talk about. But I wanted to open up that conversation more and make it so people felt like they didn't have to be so ashamed or embarrassed or whatever it is. Like, I mean, it's, it's funny when you come out on the other side and you say, like, you can kind of like look at some of those events and even though they're painful, you can say like, oh, that was, that was actually kind of funny looking back on it now. Yeah. Or, or like, I wouldn't have gotten to where I am today without something like that, so. Totally, man. 
All right. I think we, I think we nailed that. Awesome. All right, dude. Thanks. That was great. Thanks.